today's episode, Dave interviews actress Susan Messing. Susan is best known for her ensemble work with the Annoyance Theater and Improv Olympics. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. The universe that we were fucking part of is unfucking believable, right? Don't you get, don't you stand on the side and go? I can't believe we get to be part of comedy. Well, I also can't believe that we get to be a part of comedy the way that we are part of comedy in that, and that we are part of the comedy economy, if you will. The fact that we fucking make a living doing this. At least I make a living yeah, I do. teaching improvisation. Yeah. I make a living teaching theatrical improvisation. In your experience in New York, where you know the, the school that you just worked at over there, there's a point of view that they have that, that sometimes we don't mesh with. Well, here's the thing. I like to put people in worlds and see what the fuck happens, because that's improv to me. That's right. about the purest way you can bring it down. And one of the uh, I had a podcast at one of those places uh, last week, and they asked what you see the future and the, the present now of improv. And I said, well, you know, you guys can take bells and whistles and think that you've reinvented the wheels, and you'll get mad at us, because I'll say it's not new, because it's not. But, I mean, I like to bring it down to that purest form of just playing. If I've got to fucking think about what the fuck I'm going to do the moment that I get out there, I don't have a quiet mind and I'm going in there and I am just thinking about, I'm, I'm thinking so much as opposed to Susan sitting that way. Exactly. That you and I deal with a lot of physical intelligence though. I would much rather oh, justify what the fuck is, well doesn't that sound fancy? It physical intelligence. I would much rather justify what the fuck is right in front of me than invent anything on any given day. Well I'm not That's, in your fucking no head reason Susan so I don't know what the fuck you're thinking Ex- about. Why not? You should. Because this but, is my scene because I started it. Right, right. And that whole thing right there. It's my scene. Well, who was it that was... You should read my mind. Well, Ellen Arkin was teaching a class um, at, at, at NETC. In Brilliance. Um, and and he's not part of this universe no. that we have right now. So he said something very interesting. And I remember the cast that I was working with, uh, the main stage cast that I was working with, saying that they watched him and they were disappointed because he was like, he didn't. they felt like, who's this old man? But anyway. Really? Yeah. Yeah, don't who start, is this old man? Don't start fuck with me. you. Don't fucking start with me. Don't start with me with those people. Don't fucking start Am with me. Am I allowed me. to say words? Yes, you can. Okay. You can say words. So, um, you know, my, so, my entire semantic structure. So they were saying how, well, they were saying how fucked up, um, he, how they felt like he came in and he was saying, okay, let's get um, two people up here. And then he was setting up a scenario. And then he said, okay, who starts talking first? And that idea of who starts talking first, like, what do you mean? Does it matter? Talking? Apparently to him in old school it must have mattered, but we don't deal with that shit anymore. We also don't. I had to do one second city, kind of like a retrospective show where it was the oldest scenes from like 59 and shit. Yeah, and I know that. I couldn't pronounce half the words and I couldn't find the funny. And I, I, I think if you were a nuclear physicist, you'd find it hysterical. Well, I also. But, they all, but the scenes had beginnings. Middles right. and end, and they lasted fifteen minutes. And you know what? The audience had, to their credit, the audience had a patience then that they don't right now. I mean, because even when you watch the news, how annoying that scrolling underneath is something else. And For there's us a old rabbit, people, and, right, right. You know, and, yeah, and there's fire. Look at me, I got off. a vagina. It's like, right. what's the news? You know. See, I can't watch that kind of news because I, I can't. Have a vagina. I have to listen to NPR. I don't have a vagina. So <laughs> you um, have a vagina. Well, then you <laughs> someone lends me hers, but you know. Um, uh, the uh, all, but but you also keep in mind keeping in mind a lot of what they were doing was acting that doesn't get on the page exactly and and I think that that the acting doesn't get on the page and you and I were not we were trained by actors the people now that are improvising are trained by improvisers true and there's something really fucking different about that they are standing around and inventing clever shit and the only way to heighten clever is to be more clever and good fucking luck with that I mean you and I are comedians and even then I wouldn't rest on my petty little laurels of saying funny shit. Look, if I'm writing an essay, I'm going to write funny shit. If I'm writing stand-up, I'm going to do stand-up. And if I have to do a pilot, you better believe I better add a couple jokes to this page. Otherwise, they're going to send it back and give me other pages. I get that. But in improv... The audience doesn't laugh at funny shit. They laugh at specificity. And it's not funny specificity. It's just fucking specificity. Well, I love what Mark said. Um, Mark, Sutton? About, Mark Sutton said Mark Sutton. that line that he fucking said that I wish that I said. What? It's like nobody walks away from an improv scene going, <laughs> they fixed the bike. Yeah. I fucking love that line so much. Second only to mixed line about Viola Spolin's uh, improvisation for the actor, whatever what that is. What do you say? Um, bring a book to that book. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I agree. I agree. I was with Sheldon this summer um, teaching at Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was funny that, you know, I'm sitting around, I'm going, I'm a hack and I'm teaching actors, which right. is so great because I was an actor who should have given up and become a clinical child psychologist like my mom wanted me to be. That's what everybody says about you. I know, right? And uh, so I'm sitting with Sheldon and he's doing all these Meisner exercises and I can see where it's in support of the actor and I'm saying... But I'm I'm thinking, why am I here? I'm here to organically help actors pull out comedy. And Sheldon said, no, that's not what we want here. And I'm thinking, yeah, but have you ever seen the funny person in a show? You want to kill yourself. So you do want some... I mean, I teach the DePaul MFAs in the exact same building to pull out comedy organically through improv because we're, like I've said before, we're no longer your bastard cousin of creation. They need us now. Right. They really need us. Well, what, what I, you know, I For teach... joy. I don't know. Remember joy when you started doing this and you thought it's a good thing? Well, um, and, and a lot of my students, and I bet a lot of your students as well, a lot of my students are going, wait, what do you, what do you mean I don't have to get the who, the what, and the where at the beginning of the scene? I said, I don't give a fuck about that. No, you'll discover all that shit pretty quickly. Exactly. Too. If you let yourself get all that other mishigas out of your head Yeah, saying, but that's bad selfish too. That's what Mick calls bad selfish. Good selfish is you take care of self. Bad well, selfish no, no, what is... I'm, no, what I'm saying myself, is what I'm, all more. that other Mishigas is what I'm saying. What I'm yeah. saying with Mishigas is yeah, what yeah, goes yeah. down at the groundlings, which right. is get your who you want and you wire out at the beginning of the scene. Like, fuck all that noise. You, you know, I could say that. I could say okay. that. That's okay. You know what? I, I went to the that. groundlings once and I once I watched their show. I thought it was clever and I enjoyed their sketchy stuff and then they had their improv set, which was like Mad Libs. And this woman came out, I think it must have been Mindy, um, came out and she asked for that's very controlling of what it's right. as though they as though the inmates might run the asylum or something. Anyone can whistle. I mean, Jesus. Right. Anyway, so I... Sorry, that's an old Sondheim reference for all you Sondheim kids. Anyway, but... Homosexuals uh, out there. <laughs> so, all, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so um, she asked for a suggestion of a location, and I said a bathroom. And she said, that's a bad location. Ooh. And I just sat back and I went... Uh, I come from a school where every suggestion is a good suggestion, even spatula and dildo. Because <laughs> right. you know, like, 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 right. we came from, you know what I mean? That right. we're right. right. And now our right. job is to make them more right. Right. You know? And, so I just think that's so funny that there's so much wrong. I also saw Keith Johnstone teach in Paris, oh. and I will say this. And Keith, I watched Keith watch scenes Wait, and let's say, just take back. that was a take bad back. scene. No, hold on, hold on. I want to take it back it a for bad a second. Scene. That sentence, I watched Keith Johnstone teach in Paris. Yeah. Like, okay, I just wanted to land on that. Well, because the annoyance went and did some sort of, oh, uh, this is what we did. We went and did this international French festival. It was their first year and it was called Imprestival or something like that. And, and we would do our work and it wasn't even improvised because it, they wanted to see some sketch or something. They, we would come off stage and a nice French man would come up to me and say, your scene, I will think about it much tonight. And I'm thinking, did you laugh? You know, like, oh man, we must have really sucked for you to sit there and, and what, you want to get some Sartre and Nietzsche out? No, what the fuck? No, he's French. You can't fucking figure that shit out. Well, if he thinks that Jerry Lewis is the funniest of funny, then, right. then right. I'm going <laughs> to suck next to him. Um, so Although I can do that for hours. What's with Keith Johnson? Keith Johnson? So I watched him teach because he was doing some sort of master class and I sat in the back of the room and I cringed because because I saw him telling people how wrong they were and as a teacher my job is that they're right and my job is to make them more right and the more they go in their head in the Michigas the less they're going to be in the moment and for me I break it down to simple four groups food groups smell it, touch it, taste it, feel it and fuck it that's uh-huh. that's being in the moment uh-huh. so if I say I'm a shitty improviser I hate myself I wish I right. were never born did I keep the stove on last night right. then I go ooh get back in the moment right 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 right. you know right, what I mean right, right, because right. that's where you are and right. that's where I would rather be and frankly that might be one of the only places in my life that I get to slow down and fucking taste that's what food. I tell everybody this is a sanctuary it's, what, it's what Martin used to say that you walk into a space, a theater, a classroom, whatever it's going to be, where there's an improv class going on, and it's and it's a sanctuary. Now I took wait a minute. It's not going to get you a writing job on Conan, right? But um, I took a class from uh, at the Big Stinkin' Improv Festival back in eighteen oh four. I took oh, a in class Texas? from I took a class from uh, Keith Johnstone, and I sat up there and 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 people were watching and it was great. And I think that I walked in with a bunch of theater sports people, um, and I was the only non theater sports person. He said, "Let's get two people up there," and I went up there and he stopped the scene and he said, "What did he do wrong?" And everybody else, like, raise their hand, raise their hand, raise their hand. And at that moment, I'm going, what the fuck's going on in my world? What the fuck is going on in my world? So what did you do wrong? Um, I don't know. I still don't know. And and the reason that I don't know was it didn't fucking make any sense to me what he was saying. Well, it's because you're not wrong. Because let's use what we got and make some stew, bitch. 
Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, like I, I mean, honestly, is there only, if there's one right way to have sex, please email me at SusanAliceMessing at gmail.com so I don't keep doing it wrong. Do you know I used to be at Earthlink? I finally quit Earthlink because if I stayed with Earthlink, the Scientologists would win. Is that who those people are? Yes, Guy Dayton, who owns uh, part of Scientology. Yeah. There's this anti-Scientology um, movie coming out, right? Uh, it's it's called The Master. And yeah. It's not, it's not, it's more of a history of the, of the, um, if you read Tony Ortega's blog in Village Voice, uh-huh. Read it every day because he's now finally attacking. He's, great. he's attacking the shit out of them. Right. And I'm sorry, Scientologists. Um, I understand there's an independent movement because you just don't like David Miscavige. But um, some of those things that you're doing are uh, little brainwashing techniques. Cute, cute. Everyone loves them. What are they talking about? They're, but they're party tricks. Today. Uh, you're squir- going to think you're a shoe. Squirrel refuge or squirrel. Squirrel busters. Squirrel busters. Squirrel busters. Yeah. If you're, a squ- yeah. I'm a squirrel. I'm a squirrel. I'm an SP. I'm everything. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I've just ruined my non-existent career. Can I just say that? <laughs> I just ruined it. Because I can go on between that and Mormons. I can go on for fucking weeks. Oh, I get you. I'm, I I'm in. It. You I know when it. you've googled everything you could possibly Google that day, and you're like, oh, I want to Google something, but I haven't, don't have anything really? left to Google. Ex Scientology, ex Mormon. You're welcome. True. True. The best. I, somebody, ever. somebody once had a status. Uh, their Facebook status was, I don't know about you, but there's nothing on the internet tonight, which I thought is just hysterical. Sure. I don't know about you, but uh, but I know I, that I, feeling of what do I do now? Well, do something, bitch. Like there's something good there. It's amazing that it's at our fingertips. I fucking Remember when love we it. had the 1972 edition of the World Book in our house? Do you remember having God? to call up the library and ask them questions that you had? And they go into the reference And then file? it's like, give me a second. It's like, burp, 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 still come out and go and see a show. That's why when, I remember, you know, my show isn't always sold out in Chicago, but because people still make a trek to the annoyance, but I'm so honored that they take time out of their life to go just see something right the fuck in front of them. You know what I mean? But Chicago's also such a fucking great city. Chicago's you know? mecca. It's, and the, and Everybody from L.A. and New York comes back and studies in <laughs> Chicago, and I appreciate that. That's why I stay there, because, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I miss L.A., because that's where all my friends are, right. you know? Right, I, But it's such a such a pleasure to go to L.A. and New York and go, oh, wow, the work we're doing is, yes, going out that way, but still, I come back to Chicago, and I don't even recognize until I go to L.A. and New York that they're still in the forefront of that stuff. And I don't mean to be pompous about it, but I really see... Just extraordinary work all the time. I I look at what you're doing and what uh, what TJ and Dave are doing. I look at what Noah's doing. <clears throat> I look at Noah's what Jimmy... amazing, isn't he? Well, you know what I love about. But I also Noah? wait, wait. Let me just. Yeah, okay, let me just that, I also sorry. love. I also love what what Jimmy Corain is doing. Like all these people that have stayed in in Chicago that haven't moved out here, or maybe have moved out here and then moved back. I know Noah did. Um, you you guys are changing the way shit goes. Goes on, down but I in think Chicago. it's just happening or happening organically. We're not the masterminds of it. We're we're going all, when the the youth come in and they get all excited and that invigorates us because I've been in doing it what over twenty five years and right. I wouldn't rest on my petty little laurels at this stage of the game because the day I start start you know stop learning is the day I start dying. I'm too young to die. So I feel like. Someone like Noah, who could rest on his laurels, Noah Gregoropoulos, who's brilliant. And really the heir, and I, he doesn't want to be, but he's the heir at least uh, in terms of that the, the, the intellectual process, of very much of Adele. Right. Noah is very high status, straight up and down, and right. he could get away in a scene with being hysterical, just cutting you down, being high status he's Noah. so smart. But you know what? Noah comes out as a little kid in leg braces. Right. And we're all fucking cheering right. because he's not too old to uh, to to say you know to you old to say well I'm done now this is what I do I think he's Everybody, also, he's still growing We're I also growing. believe that he's also he's he's vulnerable on stage I think he's Lovely. really fucking vulnerable on stage he'll try anything that tickles the hell out of me and Jimmy Crane I just played with him two weeks ago couldn't have more fun right I mean he's just a delight Jimmy really slows down and tastes his food the art of slow comedy I I really appreciate it I think my brain thinks a little faster than that but you know what I'll sit there and dissect he's like a, Buster an Keaton amoeba. he is like Buster Keaton he's like the Buster oh Keaton I think he's Nixon I think he's the Nixon of improv because he's got know. that spine that's hunched over but in that Nixon right. victory but at the same time plays at the same time thinks he's Sinatra which makes him so organically and awesomely funny right right 
Right. So much, so many of those people in Chicago. But again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about... I don't know. About, I know we're talking about. I, I know it, and then we're going to be done. Okay. Um, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about, for me, it's vulnerability. It's the idea that you, whatever it is that you feel like playing, you can play because you know your partner's going to support what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. And I and I look at, at other theaters, and I think, you guys are doing a fucking math problem, and I'm here Exactly. They're Picasso. playing chess. Here's right. the thing, though. I play with Miles in Chicago when he comes in to do his summer intensive. Miles plays improv like chess. But guess what? I can always play with Miles. Uh-huh. I can play with anybody. I can always stick a person in whatever you decide it's going to be uh-huh. for you because it makes your life a little more OCD easier. I find I find some people to be like way too fucking controlling. And I feel like... I feel like... I feel they, like they can, here's the one thing that they can't do, though. They can't fucking manipulate your spine. That's what you get to own. But you know what? If I come into a scene, and I'm talking about somebody... Yeah. If I come into a scene and and I and and you fucking immediately make me oh um, or if I say um, listen dad I'm really sorry I don't want to be a poet anymore and you go yeah that's great come over here and jerk off these horses and I'm going what the fuck what the fuck I don't know I'd probably be delighted to go over and jerk off the horses but you know what <laughs> but you know what it is it's, I want to be I in your scene <laughs> I, but I I feel like but I feel but Susan I feel like I'm if kidding. you do it every fucking week I couldn't agree with you more but that's my issue it's a huge issue because it's invention rather than discovery and this person did it every motherfucking week were they in LA here's the thing hold on yeah and that's what is. we're talking about yeah I know yeah I know you know wow um here's the thing though. I can't I can't deal with that here's the thing you're gonna hold on to your shit and I and and, and here's the, t- the thing that's the joy about when we get older. We get to play with whoever we want to. Clearly. Yet at the same time, our hope is that we can play with everyone. Oh, clearly. That's, that's, the, that's the, the beautiful theory behind all of this, which we fight for making that the reality every single day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just doesn't work because you can't always play with the right fighter when you want to be happy. But you know what? I want to be happy, so I'm not even going to get in the motherfucking rank with some people. Or I'm you don't go, have I'm not to. Do You're it. I know. Up. I know. I'm a 53-year-old man. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah, my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm 48 years old, and you know what? This is I get to try on anything I've ever wanted to be and everything I've never wanted to be. And in LA, I'm the funny, bitchy best friend of your leading lady or I'm your slightly retarded older sister. Uh-huh. I used to be your slightly retarded younger sister and then right. I got older. But um, that's or- LA. That's the way LA thinks of me and that's okay because I feel like even the way that creation has changed in terms of you make your own webisode and then sell it or whatever, people... People are going to be willing to stretch that. I mean, my onstage integrity and offstage integrity are night and day. So I don't even care if you make me your whore or whatever. I don't care because I'm going to be whatever kind of syphilitic whore I want to be. Um, for me, it was something that I watched you at some festival or something where somebody did something and, and you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't like you stabbed them to death. It was just more along the lines of they were this little puppy and you just went, okay, this is what we're going to do right now. So you were in response to them, which wow. is great. You were in response to them, but I mean, it wasn't like you shot them or anything like no, that. No, but I mean, even even the, it says in the Red Cross manual, better one person drown than two. How sad is that? Right. So they say reach, and then you kind of put out a stick. Throw. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Am I going to have to throw my cooler? Row. Are you fucking serious? I have to get in the water, and then you tell that fucking panicky, panicky victim? For me, it's... it's I, I, you know, I've learned, when I learned how to be a water safety instructor, I learned more defenses and escapes from a panicky victim than I learned saves. So, and I so rarely have to use them. So when you say, oh yeah, I, I've watched you manipulate a situation to try to kind of get it back on track. Right. I think that's fascinating that I actually right. used one, you know? But, and, and, but for me, watching you, you are in, you are, it isn't, I mean, you know this, nobody ever walks, watches you walk on stage and go, oh, I hope she's going to be okay. You know? I don't know. Like, I'm nothing without my friend. I'll tell you that. There's what, only period? two shows. What? When you say your friend, you mean your period? No, I mean messing with a friend. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Although tonight we're doing Rizowski and messing. Exactly. Um, so, no, but the thing is that, but, but, you, but watching you teach also, watching you teach and watching you talk about this, there, there, there's a certainty that you have. There's just, you're, you're really fucking compelling and empowering to watch. And, and I know that you say that you need your friend as well. Oh, That's there yeah. too. But the relationship that you have with the universe is just so, so inspiring. Aww. And to watch you, but to watch you be, because you don't stop. You are constantly in relationship to the universe. And in that way, you're letting it fucking come. And what you're telling me, and when we're talking about this one guy that I wouldn't want to play with anymore, you know, and you're like, you're going to play with him. Like, fucking great. Good for you. I'm not going to do it anymore. 
You know, there's only two shows in the last 15 years. Somebody asked me the other day, what are, like, what's that low moment? Two shows in the last 15 years. uh, No, eight years of messing with a friend, let's say. Two shows that I deeply, deeply regret. Not because they fucking gave me a major-ass run for my money. I mean, I smelled flop sweat. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, fuck, that's me. On you, yeah, On me, I was like, and and Mick was standing in the back of the room laughing at me. And his Dago tea and his cock rings, and he's laughing at me and mocking me because I'm giving this person on stage as many gifts as it's possibly human, and he's going from, from batting them, you know, away. It's just unbelievably tough. But my sadness was more that I couldn't crack the code. Got it. As opposed to, you know, as opposed to this person sucks. I, I still bring it down the onus to me. I know? get it. I know I get it. Because I, I just don't look so at wanted somebody. to work. And then I played with a stand-up comedian who just... No, but, no, but, no, but, no, but. No, in the sense that they said things and then they forgot they said them and then denied them again. So it was like a triple deny even though it was their initiation. So I was like, but uh, you just, because knowing fully well the audience just saw it. Believe me, I played with people who've never improvised a fucking day in their life. Right. They're fucking awesome. Even walking through furniture, I love it. I love when they fuck it up. It's, that's a joy for me because I want to take care of them. Right. You know? No, I get what you're saying in regards to you couldn't crack the code. I couldn't mean, crack the code. For me, I don't look at it and go, this person sucks, this person doesn't suck. It's, it's like, just I don't want to play with it. You're not here right now. And the, and the other day I was on stage working with this group called Cherry, Cherry Crush. And um, there were a couple people in that cast because it's working with, it, you know, uh, Paul Valancourt was up there. Which I, I love Paul. Paul. Paul and so God damn. So fucking good. And this woman Just a joy. would not listen to Paul. This woman student would not, because it's students with mixed with, with Paul and I, Paul was there and I was there. Oh, sweet. And, this and is Cherry Darren. Pick, right? What's that? It's cherry Pick, it's called? Cherry Pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do, like, teachers and students play at I.O. Exactly. I love that. Something like that. Yeah. So, um... Uh, this is an I.O. This right. is an I.O. out here. And uh, this woman, uh, he came in, uh, Paul came in as the Grim Reaper. And this woman just would not fucking accept the fact that Paul was being the Grim Reaper. And she was playing high status and would not fucking let it go. And I, I think I jumped in there and said something like, I wanted to say this. Do you realize that that's Paul Valancourt? And you don't fuck with that person. But I said, do you realize that's a Grim Reaper? You have to stop right now. Stop. Listen. Stop right now. Stop. Stop. And I grabbed her by the shoulders. Stop. Stop. See, she can still hold on to the template of her character, but she got to deal with the Grim Reaper. Oh, it's a motherfucking Grim Reaper. It's the Grim Reaper. It's the Grim Reaper. How could you not love the Grim Reaper? I'd make out with a Grim Reaper. Anything. Anything. But don't don't (laughs) fucking deny. Don't deny. I mean, don't like. How could you? She did. My point is this. That's it's impressive. that code. It's that, that code that I couldn't crack. Or, you know, these the people that are in the panic mode of it all. Because I, I also believe that we're, it's our obligation, when I say our obligation, I feel like it's my obligation to go in there and, and make, uh, to go in there and expose the student to the moment. And that is it. Not what's the game yep. in relationship to the moment. Not a game the, is anything you, you do more than once. Like all that bullshit. Any of it. I don't want anybody to think of anything. I want people to think of the moment. That's all I want people to think about is how do you feel right the fuck now? Not your motherfucking plot. Plot, plot, plot. Plot, plot emerges plot, plot. and funny emerges. It, and frankly, funny in this shit comes from commitment and recommitment to your choices, not funny choices. Because... If you fart and run, that's it, kind of what it is. I remember on, on main stage, I used to make a funny. 341 people would laugh. It's great. Now I'm jonesing for it. Right. And it's my little heroine, and so I have to be funnier. And then by the middle of the scene, I've totally said, fuck you to my friend. Right. I haven't listened to that to build. Shut up. I'm making a funny. And then the audience finally, actually, the audience finally gets it. The audience starts turning on you because it's a different kind of way to access comedy. Stand-up is make me laugh, asshole. That's your job. Right. Here is, ooh, I can't wait to see what's next. If I'm in the moment, the audience is in the moment. Right. I mean, that's a joy. Right. Right. I mean, I guess it really is ultimately about pursuing joy. Because I do understand everybody's got an agenda now. This will help me get a writing job on Conan. This will help me get my characters together for SNL. I don't care what you use this agenda for. Blessings to your soul. I'm I'm in. It has made me organically a better actor, a better writer, a better teacher, better everything. Improvisation. Improvisation. Uh-huh. But when it comes down to it, we're artists because we want to create. Right. And and sometimes the I remember my goal in LA was to try to still be an artist. Right. You know what I mean? While I while I have to kind of slog through that feeling of, oh fuck, was I supposed to write a screenplay or da-da-da? Because I think people are very prolific out here, but sometimes I feel that there's a a, a pressure 
in that in that creation of like that's why sometimes when I come out to LA sometimes people are evolving in their art and then sometimes I see people the year they left Chicago I can look at someone and go 1998 2001 right. oh that's an 87 like that's the year they stopped growing because they went oh shit not because they didn't want to grow but that's what they assumed LA wanted I'm always going to be the plumber guy so I'm always going to play this guy right. this is that thing that gets that laugh even Farley did that once um, he came back and did an Armando with us once in Chicago and we're sitting there on the sides and he goes hey hey Susie look at this and he like pokes me in the in the ribs then comes out pulls his pants down by the way it had nothing to do with the scene no. and played that plumber character and then did not get a laugh, by the way. And it no. was a really hard moment to watch. Came and sat back down. He said, see, Susie? And I'm thinking, who the fuck told you that that's what you had to do? Because at his most vulnerable moments, that's when he was the most lovely. Right. And honestly, it had nothing to do with the scene. That's why the audience looked at it going, this has nothing to do with improv. This has something to do with this pre... His ego. What? His ego. Or, or yeah, I guess his ego, but I think ego always has an egotistic, like, 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 no, not I, the way I just that think, I, look like I look at it as, 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 like a, as a parrot on your shoulder saying, yeah. you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Not the idea of your ego being a huge ego, but right. the ego being that concept that says, you're right, you're wrong, stay, his don't His ego make always waves. said that he was wrong and he oh, didn't deserve course, it. Of course, of I mean, course. I think he was always surprised at that. I think that was truly maybe most of his demons. But a lot of what, a lot of the people that I know that I don't think grow don't grow because they're, they're not willing to take that failure they're not willing to fail yeah but the great a, a recycled mistake is your greatest comic gift you don't have to tell me that that's my life right you don't <laughs> have to tell me that, that. I mean, the I mean, at the end of the day you know I look at what Farley did and I look at what, what uh, Belushi uh, uh, John Belushi did and I think John Belushi was going towards something he was going towards breaking that shell and becoming something else but Chris's demons were just too fucking hard for him to deal with True. Just too hard. And I, and I think a lot of people, like people that we've just talked about, where I look at these people and I think, your demons are stopping you from being fucking vulnerable because you are a smart person. You're a great actor. You've done some fantastic fucking work. But you know what? Nobody fucking wants to play with you anymore. True. And the reason being, you're a motherfucking bully. And knock it off. Wow. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. You're a I, motherfucking bully. I think there's a fear. I think sometimes there's a Ian fear. I'm sexy when I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah, you got a little hard. Creepy. Yeah. Um, I did too. And that's why you picked out that Kleenex? Kleenex, yeah. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Don't put the pillow over there. Don't get all eighth grade on us, Ian. It's okay. Um, okay. Anyway, you're standing up in front of the board and writing something for the class. Um, no, but I think I think it's a bully move. I think it's a fucking bully move, and it's a cowardice. But move. I think that, that, but bullies, as we know, are probably insecure people. They're clearly insecure people. Here's the thing: if you teach, you know, if you teach people celebration and acceptance, like even my daughter Sophia goes to Harand Camp. You've heard of Harand, right? Is it Jew Camp? It, no, it's not Jew Camp. It's it's a non-competitive theater camp in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh -huh. where everybody's a star. And there was a girl who was about 16 who was on way the rainbow spectrum of something up and, like, wrong and off. Like, there's something mentally just... She was so not present to... Something was wrong. And the rest of the group guided her through the whole dance. Now, was she kind of ruining the dance? Yeah. Was she uh, singing loud and out of key? Yeah. But watching them take care of her was one of the sweetest things I ever saw. So it was unintentional comedy in a way, but it was also one of the prettiest and most beautiful things I ever saw. And here's the other thing, too. We know that I've seen in comedy affirmative action can work. I have seen that, where you bring someone up and, I mean, I've always played with people who are, I, I always think that everybody's better than I am. Uh -huh. So that raises my game. Got it. And when you are more experienced than someone else, you get to take them along and they get to raise their game. And I think that is, it's, it's one of the few arts where if everyone succeeds, everyone wins. Right. And I know it's a theory and I know it's hard to do in L.A. It's really hard to do in L.A. Sometimes. What's hard to do in L.A.? It's hard to think of that as let's all um, cooperate and make this together. I think sometimes that's difficult. I, 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 you know what? I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, you know what? You're, you are such a purist in the art and I think that's so beautiful and that's what you share. But And, and I'm not saying that I see something you don't. But when I do come to town... I, I sometimes don't see what I what I what I wish for everyone, which is always that joy. You're you're. I don't think you're the rule. 
I'm clearly not the rule. Um, Do you know I, what I mean? I and and I love that. I, look, I love New York and I love L.A. and I love Chicago. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's writing this stuff. That's why I say if you have an agenda for this work and you want to take it somewhere else, be my lovely guest. I get to have you here while I get to have you here. Right. I have to teach MFA threes at DePaul. Believe me, they don't want to learn how to improvise. And I'm like, oh, you'll love it. I'll rub your face in it until you do. And then afterwards... Half of you are going to fucking defect from acting world and stop doing check off and join me. Right. You know? Right. That's the truth. No, I get it. I get it. I also, I also look at, I'm, as, you, as, you, as you're talking and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm um, uh, putting all this in my head. You I also about, work very hard for that thesis of but joy. I, but, I also, but I also look at the people that, I, that I'm associated with here. I'm yes. looking at those people, and I look at all the people that were, and Stacey's not here, um, Evan Gore, Peter Marietta, Pete Gardner, D. Ryan, Teresa Mulligan. I look at the, the bang people. I look at um, uh, Aliza um, uh, Marietta and, uh, and Peter Marietta. And I look at Eric Honeycutt. You know Eric? Of course. Um, I look at Eric and I look at James Grace and I look at um, Paul Valancourt and I look at uh, I look at Zabeth Russell and I'm talking about all these fucking awesome. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree, and that's what's going to carry the torch for that. (coughs) But I'm saying there's a fight. There's a fight fight to make that happen. There's also a fight in Chicago. Um, I think in Chicago, Chicago's fight now is that oh shit, we should be doing what LA and New York is doing. That's the fight. That's probably always been Chicago's fight. It is, is to be good on their own. Right. And and that's their only thing. Sometimes I did think, oh dear, I didn't come out to, I didn't move to LA permanently, even though I know that for a quality of life for my daughter, it is the best thing for her, uh-huh. I think, in terms of education. To be in Chicago. To be in Chicago yes. educationally. Right. But um, just for her, because of where we landed, not because there aren't these awesome opportunities also in L- in LA. And I like the fact that she gets to go back and forth between me and Joe, right. so that she gets to feel as comfortable with with LA ultimately as she does with Chicago. I think there's just the fear of the unknown that freaks people out more than once you get to see what it is. You're saying the fear coming out here and going, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Well, yeah. The first time I came out to LA, I just got chubby and depressed. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, the second time I came out, I'm like, well, I've done that. Now what? You know what right. I mean? And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just do what I do. And then I stopped looking to my right and to my left and said, my path is my path. Right. And every time I where, do that, I have more fun than anybody. And that's what we eventually get to is my path is my path anyway. Yeah. Because the idea of, um, I want Colbert's path or I want Carell's path. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You can only have your own path and I wouldn't want anybody else's path at all. Couldn't be more proud of the people we grew up with. I'm, I'm beyond impressed of what all our friends have done with their lives. Um, I, I couldn't be more impressed and happy and delighted for everybody. I remember Andy Richter once said something really smart. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, hopefully I'll get to sit at everybody's pool and drink their fancy drinks. And I'm like, in. Right. Got it. Right. You know? Right. Got it. But the also fact the- that I'm allowed to be an, act, uh, an, imp- an improviser, the fact that even maybe somebody might call me a comedian or an actor, blows my mind. The, right. la- the fact that I'm allowed to be at the table, that more than anything is my joy. Like that I someone would it. call me a comedian, like that that the result of what I fucking do is comedy blows my wad as opposed to um, someone's got a hook because Mick and I still have joked in the past that, you know, we're just waiting for someone to kind of lead you off stage and say, we've, we've fucking figured you out, hack. And then you're like, well, thanks you for the time. You don't still feel that way. I think everybody does sometimes. I do not. I I'll do bl- not. That's why I play with you. I know, but I, but I feel like... Because you're the king of the mountain. But no, I'm not, what I'm saying is this. Like, you know who the fuck you are. You know your voice, and you know what you offer. You know all those things. I do know that in every Stop day. Stop hitting but, the mic. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Gotta fucking stop hitting the mic. Because you're going to say some great things and it's going to sound like someone's butt-fucking you. And if, you know, if you want to do that... But that's make, what I was looking for. If that's what for. you want to do, then but, fucking do but that. But that was my make goal. Make sure that you're clear I, on I, that. that was Hold my, your point of view. That was my goal. My point of view was but, getting <laughs> ass-fucked. <laughs> then do that. Then do that. And I'll, and I'll Fucking ruin here. my life. And I'll support you. But you know... <laughs> support but you know, me. Getting back. You you're know giving your it. voice. You know your voice. You know who you are. You know what you have to offer. You, you know, know what? You know what's the most amazing thing is the first three improvisers I have ever met were Rich Label, Mick Napier, and you. Right. And a couple years, two years ago was it, that we all played, I think Joe Bill joined us as well. Yeah. And the five of us all played together. And I looked around and I went, holy shit, this has come around. Just like I was saying that, you know, to be on a critic's pick list with Dick Gregory, my right. childhood idol, that this shit comes around. 
around and that it was like, what, 23 years in that I'm looking like never once when I sat watching Grime and Punishment, one of my favorite teams of all time with you and Label and Mick and Did Timmy Meadows, Meadows and... Madeline wasn't playing then on that show. I remember seeing so fondly. Uh, nope, Pasquazi. It Pasquazi. was all boys when I saw it. Madeline, I've seen the picture with Madeline in it, uh-huh. but but this was a time where I just saw the five of you guys. Uh-huh. And I mentioned just the other day my very favorite scene of all time was with the five of you guys. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? No. You have no idea what I'm talking about? No. I will tell you very quickly because it's a really, really great scene and it's worth being everywhere for eternity. And it was just when I started. I was watching you guys. Pasquazi's on one side of the stage. Timmy Meadows on the other side of the stage. Timmy happens to be African-American. Timmy's got a lawnmower. And uh, Pasquazi says, morning, neighbor. And Timmy says, morning, neighbor. And Pasquazi says, I'm going to burn a cross on your lawn. And Timmy says, I can't hear you. The motor's running. That's the whole scene. Time passes later on. And you're on the other side of the fence mowing. Uh-huh. And uh, my friend Dave Rosowski is kind of Semitic looking. I would say kind Joey. Of as much as Tim Meadows black looking. There you go. And so Pasquazi says, morning, neighbor. And you said, morning, neighbor. And uh, he said, I'm going to burn a cross on your lawn. And you said, I can't hear you. The motor's running. And then all of a sudden, Rich Label pops out. And this is done the fastest scene I've ever seen in my life. He goes, you can't do this because we represent the law firm of Jew. You turn yourself around. Chubby, Labor tur- Label turns himself around. Nigger, Tim to- turns himself around. And faggot, Mick turns himself around. He said, so you can't do this because we represent the law firm of Jew, Chubby, Nigger, and faggot. And everybody went, boom, 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 boom. And I went... Oh my God, this is improvised and this is the best scene ever. And 25 years later, it is still the best scene ever because it was a teaching tool. It blew my mind. I talked about this last week in New York and I was in tears actually when I thought about it because I thought it's almost like the Archie Bunker of the world. You know how Carol O'Connor was such a moral man, but how do you protect comedy? How did Norman Lear do it? Well, he surrounded him and his idiocy and his racism and his sexism and his bigotry with people who were smarter than he was. Right of the same, you know, ethnicities and whatever that he himself mocked. Right. So you guys managed to do all that in your youth. In your youth. I mean, it was so fucking brilliant. Even now. And that's why to be a fly on the wall, to be in the boys club, to when I see a girl in comedy, I'm so fucking happy. I just couldn't right. eat her alive in joy. But when I see a but but I got to raise you guys let me hang out with you. You like to have a girl on your team was a coup. Remember that? Back then, absolutely. And I was taught by the best. Right. But you were also open to that Oh, I was a well. masochist. You, well, not In a good that. way. In a good way. No, you could hold your own. And you still, of course you fucking do. You hold your own with the nastiest of the fucking people. I mean, to, to do screw puppies with you was such a fucking treat because it's like, when is she going to come out and say, I just, I, you know, I just per- performed Cunnilingus on, on Mother Teresa. And we're going, fuck, yeah, there Well, you actually, go. Joe Bill once had a scene <clears throat> in uh, Bean Can Tour with, it's, I guess you prepared pair scenes where he said, Susan, I really want to do a great scene with you called uh, Turd Fucker. And I went, oh, cool. That sounds great. You know, because I'm like, I'm a yes and girl. Right. Basically what it is, is we were, uh, God, Joe Bill's so fucking sick. He said, <laughs> he said, um, I'm going to be your husband and you and I saved it for our, like for wedding night and we've been dying to be with each other. So we're, it's finally our wedding night. You've carried me, I've carried you over the threshold. You're, we're all just taking off our clothes because we can't wait to be with each other. And then he pulls out this which is made out of, I think, Play-Doh or something, but it looks like just like a great turd. Um, and he says, I want you to, no, he says, I want you to do something for me. He hasn't shown me that yet. He goes, I really, baby, I want you to do something for me. I'm like, baby, baby, I'll do anything for you, whatever you want, baby, whatever you want. He goes, I want to fuck you with this turd. <laughs> and it was a piece of poop. And I just thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Right. I guess everything is the funniest thing I ever saw. Because offstage, I hope people would think I wouldn't fuck poo. On stage, fuck poo. Right. I just, that's so annoyance of me. But th- that's the whole But thing you know, like- Sharna would be furious at IO if I pulled that. And Second City, unless it was a political or social statement, like, mm, poo means Mitt Romney's economic policies. I fuck his economic, you know what I mean? But like, also- you have to give it social and political but satire. But out here at UCB, somebody did like the grossest, uh, Sketch show, and was somebody it? took it. Someone took a shit on stage. A real one? Yeah, like two girls, one cuppy thing. Which, by the way, I, I can't see no on YouTube. I, I will you not, can't see I, that. I can see people's response to it. No, but someone you can't took a shit on stage, and I and I, I, someone in my class told me at the beginning of class. I'm like, no, no fucking way, no. Well, and you're not I, supposed wait, to use wait. real props. Well, that, but that's another thing. Like, I also wonder how you rehearse for that. Um, you just make eat a lot of prunes, right, and then you, you do, it's you hard to do it on call. But I called Yano and I said, did that happen? Because he's the yeah, stage, stage guy. There. And he goes, that happened. 
So like, what was the funny out of that? I have no fucking idea. See, sometimes shock doesn't always <laughs> yield comedy. You have to be careful about that because, right. I mean, you can stick yams up your ass and good for you, but it doesn't always yield comedy. Sometimes it just yields, I assume, a distended poop hole, you know? I also I also think, like, if, if there has to be a context in order for you to fucking do any of that stuff. Comedy needs to be protected so that people would be willing to watch. Right. For example, to call it the sickest comedy ever, I can see anybody walking into that space should know that there is a possibility if you heighten it to the worst degree that somebody might take a poop on stage. And, the you know, that's one thing that 25 years later I really appreciate about the annoyance is that it's one of the few places on the planet that you can do and say whatever you want and it will be protected just by the nature of walking in the building, right. let alone... Because, for example, I, there are things I would never do at IO or IO West because... It's out of respect to the integrity of what I perceive the building to be. Right. Even though I'm known to be an uncensored improviser. That's different. It's different. That's my messing with a friend show at my time. But it's also uh, the the example the example that you that you give by uh, by performing is the idea that anything goes yes. within the context. And so you are. It was one. It's one of those things where if you want to make a change, be the change that you want to see. You know wow. that sort of thing. So I watch you, and I think I watch you, and I watch Mick, and I watch a bunch of other people, and I think, okay, they are leading by example. They're showing us how to live that life and how to do this in a way that we are all um, inspired and motivated by. And it works because you fucking support each other in such a strong way. Well, it's such a strong way. Yeah, but I used to watch Mick when he directed Main Stage, and at the time it was a lot more. Oh shit, sorry. Okay. It was a lot more precious uh-huh. than. Ugh, I'm not even. This is when you're stupid and you keep your cell phone up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'll just put that under the table. Um, Mick was directing main stage. It was when I was in the cast. And there was a scene we were doing called Casserole. And I had a husband, Mick, who was abusing me. And Tammy and Tammy Sager and Stephanie Weir were trying to make me see that I should leave Mick because he's abusive. And I was uh-huh. completely oblivious to it. And so by the middle of the scene, they started beating the shit out of me because they couldn't get to me, which I thought was hysterical because when uh, I think Tammy came in with the idea, she said, when it, or maybe it was Stephanie, they came in and they said, wouldn't it be funny to do a scene where we beat the shit out of Susan? I was like, bring it on, hysterical. Mm. It's not funny. But you know what I'm saying? So the people in the wait staff and Heather and... Uh, and uh, all the people at Second City were like, that's not funny. So Mick had to go and left brain it so that it turned into a dream sequence of what they could do to her. I and so then it was that. protected right. so that they that they that could scene. beat the shit out of me because it's not funny to beat someone up. Right. But under the context of you're so frustrated and a dreamlike sequence, you can do that. Mick always did that to protect comedy, for example, at Second City. So I realize as time goes on, as comedians, we can't say whatever the what we want when we want it and just go, fuck it, I'm a comedian, deal with it. It has to be protected so that people are willing to laugh. Right. And and I'm not saying someone like a Louis C.K. can't say something, whatever the hell he wants, because he sure can. But he also couches it in a real smart way so that anytime you hear it, it's still palatable. It's his voice. That's his voice. And it's coming out of him. And you know who he is, which allows him to say those kind of things. And, and he does have a message. He has a, he's a real sharp message behind that stuff. Right, right, yeah. right. But I, I, look, I look at a lot of what we're doing, and it does, this shit doesn't happen by accident. You know, good scene work does not happen by fucking accident. And I think that what ends up happening is a lot of improvisers, people who call themselves improvisers, don't know the struct, think that, that the structure of a scene doesn't matter. And that's, that's where I'm coming in. Talk, tell me what you think about structure of a scene, because I'm going, ooh, maybe I'll learn something. Well, for me, for me, when I, when I say structure of a scene, what I really mean is a, a character having a point of view and following that point of view until it changes. It's what Mick calls, I think, what he calls holding on to your shit. Like, knowing what yeah, you follow knowing- the template of the character instead of the rationale of rational plot. Rational Clearly. plot is rational plot is I'm smiling and then I look at it and I see a witch burning and I get upset. That's rational. That's drama. That's great. Right. This one, if I start with a smile and someone tells me that's a witch burning, I get to discover oh that's what I'm smiling at and find a damn good reason why a witch burning is great. Absolutely. Got it. But it's also taking in what it is that you're doing and then there's an arc of a scene. There's pressure, tension, and dynamic at the center of all the scenes that you're doing. So we're able to really take those scenes and to go fucking go at each other and you and I have gone at each other so often I remember when I did the, we did the show at Second City um, last I time love we played that together show. 
It was a great fucking show because we went at each other so did we? much. <laughs> we did. There was that great hotel room scene that we had. There was a bunch of fucking great scenes. Well, you know, we I think you and I know that agreement is still agreement <clears throat> to hate each other's guts. Even Noel Coward would say, high status, I despise you, I detest you. Even that, I mean... Look, we're going to agree on facts. If it's 72 degrees, it's 72 degrees. But if I'm perimenopausal, 72 degrees might be boiling hot for me and I too cold that. for you. Right, right, right. I think sometimes people panic because they look at it like a template. That who, what, where, and I'm. you are my brother, and That's, we're in Milwaukee, and this is our treehouse, right. and why do you do that thing you always do? Right. I love when people say you always do oh, this. Because it's like, I just want to let you know that thing you always do, even though you've never demonstrated any characteristics of having done it before. Exactly. I'm going to give you. you some false history right now. Yeah. There's certain, like, like, you always do it is one thing, and I, I, I am? Oh, okay. No one ever gets a solid out of an improv fridge. I like the fact you're having a, mis- a miscarriage. Oh, I am? I'll right. keep making cookies while I have a miscarriage? Well, okay. But I all will. these things are, but it's, it goes back to the annoying <laughs> stuff where you go, fuck the rules. But rules are suggestions that might get you off faster, but they're not right. It's, it, I think Mitt did such a smart thing in his book, Improvise, where he said once upon a time there was a scene, and it was an awesome scene. It was perfect, and nobody questioned why it was great. It was just a great scene. And then you had a bad scene, and everybody went, ooh, that's a bad scene. Yeah, it sucked poopy poop. Oh, I hate that scene. And then you said, well, why did you hate that scene? I don't know. We asked too many questions. Yeah, we did ask too many uh-huh. questions. Hey, let's make a rule. No questions. But let me tell you something about no. Ever say before you go on stage to your group, no walk-ons tonight. What's the fucking first thing that happens? Walk-ons. It'll even happen with me because no means yes to me for right, comedy. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Don't do it means please touch that electrical cord. You know what I mean? It's right. like, please. No, I, 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 I totally understand that. But I, people have been saying that the annoyance is becoming more a place for people to go who are like, that's where you get your master's degree at the annoyance. Well, so when I started it, I felt like the IO was my BA and that the annoyance was my master's and that Second City, just because I hadn't toured or done any of that stuff before I got on main stage, that would be my, like, PhD. my PhD. Uh-huh. But as far as a student goes, what I've noticed, it's, it is always bizarre to me when I get a student in my level five class at Annoyance who only has improvised at the Annoyance. Because I kind of, I see the path more for me is start at IO, then go to Second City, and by then you'll be so fucking frustrated by everybody that you'll need the Annoyance to remember your own power again. Oh my God, I'm talking to so many so many students. We have a lot of people from uh, the California Summer Arts Festival that go to Chicago. And I've got people who are emailing me saying, I don't know what the fuck is going on with Second City. I have no idea what's happening over there, just in terms of their interaction, not that it's a fucking mess. Um, but I look at that and I just, I just, I, I look at that and I think, you guys are looking at that as if they have all the fucking answers and they don't. No one does. No one does. I love Second City. I love IO. I love the annoyance. But this is what's what's up for me. I think that every place teaches you ultimately the kind of performer you want to be doing, right. the kind of work you want to do. Here's the thing, though. What, what students get frustrated in is that somebody will give them a note. And this note is right. Oh and then the next day they get an equal and opposite note. And then they're like, but my teacher just like, well, when did your teacher get to be God for you? Right. This is what I say to them. I say, you want to relax for anal sex or you want to fucking relax? Right. So, God, that's just a bad analogy. But here's the thing. I if you I, keep yeah. as relaxed as possible, then I say just make yourself as malleable as possible. Just like an audition. I call an audition a free workshop. That takes your power back. So right. you walk in. Can you do what this guy's asking you to do? Guess what? You're always going to look like his ex-girlfriend and he'll never cast you. I had a great time. Bye. And then go and get a life. Go get laid. Have a great time. So if they can try on, for me, an improviser means I will do anything. And that's what Mick said once to me. He said that I, like, his nicest thing he's ever said to me is that I will do anything on stage. And I will. Because the onstage integrity and offstage integrity are night and day. I think some people. Times people get really worried about status, and I'm like, you fucking idiot. The greatest place to be a loser, and the only great place to be a loser is on stage. Right. I lose so much on stage. I think it tickles me so much being a victim that I actually have warning bells going off going, you can't go here that often, Susan, because you like that too much. Right. You know, because off stage, nobody would dare fuck with me. On stage, please fuck with me. I agree. I love it. I agree. But I think status people who play themselves do get very upset. Your personality is not allowed on stage. That's the way I look at it. Oh, well, I, they, I, how many people play themselves? Though. I've, you know I've seen entire classes. Fucking, I, that's, I stop people right away because I am not interested in how much you tithe. I'm not fucking interested in how nice you are to, to your grandmother. If I need for you to anally rape somebody or at least threaten it, then fucking do it. I think people get very scared, especially. Are you touching the mic? Sorry. Are you touching the mic sorry, again? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> I have to say that. 
when when I've heard too many schools of thought though where people say it's about you and you stand around as you. I don't know about you. I finger point judge, teach you how to do shit right, solve all your problems and kill comedy. That's what I do. But I can see people playing an agreeable themselves till the cows come home and get off on it. It's just never appealed to me. I've got to be me 23 hours a day for one fucking hour. I can't wait to try on everybody I've ever wanted to be and everybody I've never if wanted I to be. If I cast you as Ophelia, are you going to go, but I'm not going to kill myself because I love life too much? Well, how many you times fu- have you heard people say, my character wouldn't That's do that? That's what I'm saying. It drives me like, mother fucking crazy well, based on what you did back, your character would it goes back to the idea that most and I, I, I you know most most actors don't think that all acting is improvisation I'm sorry all improvisation is acting all improvisation is acting you are always playing a role when you're improvising unless you stand there and invent clever shit and but write and then you don't moment, feel any of it but you're you don't not need acting it. in that moment I mean you're still exactly. on stage you're still on the fucking stage yeah. you're still up there I know but I think that what happened was at some point there was a there was a somebody cut off improvisation from acting, and because we don't talk about blocking, we don't talk about there's so much shit that we never fucking talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, but even when I was in plays, I they would we would discover our blocking half the time. The director would let us organically discover Clearly, it and then set it right through improvisation. Through improvisation, right? And if it was a new work, we would end up writing their new work. And I'm, how many times have you gone on an audition where you've written the fucking script? I know. Yeah. But I think that a lot of a lot of improvisers don't see it as as, as themselves as being actors. Well, one of the things that Mick said that I agreed with, I and he had, I think he had changed throughout the years was he said, improvisers have to learn how to be actors, right. and actors have to learn how to be improvisers. Right. And once I kind of heard that, I felt good about being a mediocre actor because my acting got a million times better just by being an improviser. I also feel like your your improv gets a hundred times better the moment that you call yourself as an actor because you allow yourself to have this long fucking tail that goes back thousands of years, you know, from cave dancers to to to, to restoration drama to all that other shit that you can bring up on stage. Because we have to know that the universe that we lived in, the, the improv universe that we live in, does didn't start at whose line is it anyway. No, as a matter of fact, Dan Patterson went to Northwestern and I auditioned for the Meow Show for him my sophomore year and didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And now this is what I do my life. Right. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing that's so cool about it is when I started, I just wanted to get good at this. I didn't think it would get me on SNL. I didn't think it would get me anything, but I just wanted to get good at this because I saw that and I went, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to do make-believe with grown-ups. How fucking awesome is this? You don't have to memorize shit dick. And then all of a sudden, somebody one day said, no, no, this is a viable art. Something turned when we were too busy having fun. And now all of a sudden it has this kind of integrity that, that blows me away that I get to be a, a part good of. Way. Yes. Yes. Holy shit, yes. Yes, yes. But everything has changed so fucking much since we started the bullshit at, at Cross Currents. You know, so much has changed over time. I know, but I, <clears throat> you know, going to New York and making it feel like it's a viable thing. You know, TJ and Dave do their show at the Barrow Street Theater yep. with a, yep. with a legitimate... Twice. Audience, and I think that's amazing. The fact that, and I'd never performed in New York, that I got to go to New York and do this show, and people treated it like it was, I don't know, respectfully. Right. I, I, I'm just dicking around. You know, well, 40 years old dicking around. The actors that I work with at Artistic New Direction in uh, New York, they're fucking actors and they're playwrights. And these people are legitimate equity actors who are improvising. I'm going, oh, thank God. It is delicious. It is delicious. It really is. And when I got to work with the MFA, when I always worked through the MFA at DePaul, um, once they get delighted by it, it's one of the prettiest things to fucking see. Yep. It really is. Yep. They're because like, you- really? My specificity will get me everywhere? Oh, dear God, please don't censor yourself now. It's so good. Well, I look at people like Alexandra Billings, who is just such a fucking phenomenal improviser and Could actor. not love her more. She, what, what's that? Could not love her more. Oh, my God. And, and to watch her improvise, have you done her show, uh, Katie, uh, what's it called? Katie monologues or Katie Carl? No, it's like she plays uh, Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she plays Catherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. and she'll have you, you know, she'll have you come in and do something. You'd fucking rock. But uh, to watch her improvise, to watch this, she is a fucking amazing actor, and she is such a force. She knows her voice. She knows uh, how to help people. It's what we all do, like respect each other in that way, and push each other, and listen. She's such a fucking good listener. I think that's what people forget about. They're so in their own bubble of insecurity right uh, as you call ego um, which is so bizarre to me because I always think ego is a is a fuck you move and, and it's it is a fuck you move even when you're being insecure but of course it's but, all insecure 
But it's, yeah, I, I always figured if everybody treated each other like artists and heroes, right. um, even if they're playing a low, stinky status person or whatever the hell it is, then amazing things would occur because they have occurred in front of my eyes for over 25 years. The best comedy I have ever seen is with the people I have come to know and respect and love so much right. and they take it wherever they go I love seeing Car- Steve Carell do his movies or Colbert every night it, it you know and I don't even like watching comedy because I don't want to steal any of my friends shit inadvertently I'd rather ask about their families or something like that okay. but, but you know what I mean that yeah. feeling of oh my god they get to stretch it all the time man and they're doing it from what they learned, which is what I got to learn, and I love seeing them throw that back out at the universe because now that's that's part of the teaching, isn't it? Well, I look at what Carell is doing, and I've always and I've always looked at him. Uh, you know, he, he and I were we we toured together in the touring company together, and watching Steve grow up and going, I fucking loved his acting. He was one of the first people that I thought he is an actor first and foremost, and mm-hmm. then second, he's a comedian, and his acting is phenomenal, and Colbert's acting is phenomenal, and oh, Jackie yeah. Hoffman's acting is. Phenomenal. Fucking phenomenal! Oh, Jackie's brilliant, isn't she? She really is. She's really one of these fucking that, brilliant. That nobody knows, but do you know that she was? She start, She opened as opened grandma on as uh, in the Adams family. Mm-hmm. You know that she did that. She opened the the character in Hairspray. She opened um, Xanadu. She opened these fucking characters on Broadway. What an amazing thing! Yes, it is. But and here's the thing, though: isn't your best delight that your friends respect your shit? That to me, ultimately, is the greatest thing. If my friends don't kick me off stage and let me hang there, I am yeah. the happiest person on the planet. And we get to play with these fucking brilliant people, and, and we get to play with these fucking brilliant people. I get to play with you tonight. I know tonight. You. Tonight, I'm and, so excited about it. And and coming in every time I come in, it's like, oh, can I work with Susan tonight? And what I used to do, and I found it very interesting, was when I would come in from. L.A. to Chicago, I would I would always do a Screw Puppy show because that was my chance to blow off L.A. Just fucking remove <coughs> that that filter. Yeah, because nobody have. cared about anything other than that hour. And guess what? You'll never you'll never see it again. Right, exactly. <laughs> but there's also the idea that that this is who the fuck I am, not trying to guide myself into a career move. And I remember one day going, "Oh, this city." Is I my perception is it wants to tell me who I am, but that's just my perception. Yes, and I look it's a good at good reminder. But I look at people that are really successful, like Corel and Colbert. Like we got to keep in mind those people; they're not carbon copies of anybody. Mm-mm. And they went out there and did whatever the fuck they're going to do. And now we're looking at people are wanting to be carbon copies of it. And it's like there was nobody ever like Farley. Mm-mm. There was nobody. Well, there was the people were like Farley. But Farley was just so warm and open and connected, not open, but connected. And to look at what he was doing, it was, that was a big tragedy in my life, is, to, is his death. I agree. I think everybody, you know, and I, and I certainly don't blame the forces around him because I think um, they did their very best. I heard right. he was in rehab a bajillion times. Right. I think his family could do what they could do. I think everybody did what they could do. And ultimately, it boils down with the individual. Right? Right. I mean, and it's well, hard. That, and demons are demons, man, and addiction is rough. Well, I look, you know, just talking to, um, to Mo Collins and what she did with Andy Dick. Like, that fucking TV show, House Arrest with, with Andy and Mo. Wasn't that a show that she did? I think so. So looking at that and seeing, I look at Andy, and I remember Andy being at I.O. in 85, 86. Yep. And looking, going, with Dino Stamatopoulos and the duo that they used to have, and I'd go, well, who the fuck is that guy? He's out of his fucking mind. Oh, God, I just, when you said that, I just saw him at Jay's apartment across by that firehouse right by... Uh, Right by Wrigley Field, because we, we grew up together. That's I have to say that's kind of cringeworthy though, because I, I sound like a grown up in all good things. But I mean, I think my friends who've known me for over twenty five, you know, years look at me and go, "Man, I remember when when you, you were beyond pathetic." You know, <laughs> a sweet little thing. I was a, I was a lover. I was such a lover. You were, but but a little baby masochist horror as well. Yeah. Well, you had a lot of energy, and what you ended up doing is what you do on stage. Is you are you, you had so much energy, um, and and I was always drawn to the energy that you had. But Aww. what you've done over the years is you have you have learned to hone that energy. Use my power for energy. good. But you know what? But you look at so many people. And I look at a lot of improvise. I look at a lot of uh, young improvisers, and I go, I love what the fuck you're doing. I'm not saying get rid of that energy, but I'm just saying let's control Focus. it because yeah. right now it's all over the. Well, energy place. Can, is not always a scream. It's a it could be. A laser. Remember right. the way who here has a father who all they had to do was look at you right. and you just got into line. Yep. 
You know what I mean? They didn't yeah. have to scream it out. We, but one thing that's funny that I've been working with a lot of the Toronto people. Uh-huh. They always come in for summer intensives at Annoyance and Second City and I.O. And uh, they're, I, one of the first things when I see a very polite improviser, I say, are you from Toronto? Because they usually yeah. are. Um, be, and if you come from a screamy family, the last person you want to be in life is a screamer. Mm-hmm. And if you come from a quiet family, you've been taught to be quiet. Right. So it's really fun when you take them out of their comfort zone. And then they get off stage and they're so tickled that they went there. Because I said, look, you don't have to be that in life. Especially you don't have this, to be that in life. Yeah, Canadians. I want to, you know, I'm going to go. Come on! And I had a Canadian in class once, and I said, "All right, wait, stop, stop. She just <laughs> fucked you over. That woman just fucked you over. You're, that woman's character just fucked you over. I want you to stop it right now. I want you to say, just fucking lay into her. Would you lay into her right now? Let it out. Let's see what happens." And he goes, ah, "You, you, you spinthrift." <laughs> what, what is this like Puritan time? That's what they said. It's like, why? I, I didn't ask you to take a time machine back to 1794. It's like I asked you to open yourself up. I don't even know what the fuck that word means. It's like I will pluck the turkey. Exactly. You're horrible. Uh, what? What do you have? The vapors? You it's defend? Like, yeah. You defame me. <laughs> right. Oh, huzzah! How dare you, sir? Right. Yeah, oh, ridiculous. That's right. awesome. You just made Ian turn even more magenta. <laughs> if that's possible. A magentizer. Um, You're the magenta. Let's stop that. Let's just stop this right now. We're going to stop it because I'm going to get ready to go. We're going to stop. That's how it ends. It starts right away and this is how it ends. You know, this is your show, David. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I just did it. I I love it. it. I could not love you more. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being had. Ooh. Uh, What? Yeah. I'm bent over. Uh, Good. Great. Awesome. Thank you. I love you so much. I love you more. Today's episode was sponsored by AquaSurf. With locations in Florida, California, and Hawaii, they are the nation's leading surf instructors. For more information, visit www.aquasurf.com. We are the locals, brah. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I am Ian Foley, and this is Mama Mel. Prepare for enlightenment so bright, it will sunburn your soul with Mama Mel. I've got lots of friends with babies. Sometimes they'll ask me to come over when their little ones are teething and they've done all they can do, but their poor little darlings are still screaming and crying in pain. They call me because they know I can help. I have a special way with babies. What I do is get down eye level with the child. I smile real big and say, F*** you, baby! This is the easiest you're ever going to have it! You won't find that in any of the parenting magazines. And you are welcome, my friends.